Welcome back to Conversations with Coco and Friends. I'm your host, Coco, aka Katrina Smart. Every episode, I'll be having real conversations with the people who inspire me. We go deep and we go there. And I've got my girls with me. This podcast is co-hosted by two of my friends who I happen to also work with. Cleo is a kick-ass producer and a problem solver. And Pilar is an insane director and social media manager. We hope you enjoy these conversations as much as we enjoy having them. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I literally don't think I can contain my excitement. I can't. Today, we're talking to Sir John. You know, makeup artist extraordinaire, trailblazer, activist, advocate, who got his start assisting on runways of New York Fashion Week, who then moved on and continues to be the makeup artist behind the beauty that is Queen Bay. That's right. Beyonce herself. Did you see that moment on the Oscars? Did you see that complexion? Yes, that was Sir John. That's right. We talked to the legend himself about everything from beauty to work ethic to how to make it in a saturated industry where no one is paying you no mind. I'm still in shock at how wonderful this man truly is and so grateful for this energy exchange. I hope you enjoy it just as much as we did. We are major fans. Stan fans, you have to us have revolutionized well to the world, revolutionized the beauty industry. You've done so many things for women of color by way of just the people that you, the faces that are your canvases, and the way that you have. Like we work a lot in media, and um, some of our friends are on air personalities, and just the struggles that they have, even with makeup artists not even knowing how to address their the color of their skin and the tone of their skin and everybody looking grayish, a little slight shade of gray. But we want to know, we want to go way, way back. And how did okay. you discover you were great at makeup? Like, who was your first canvas? So my mother's in school for art and art history. So forever, I was always a painter. And, you know, even uh, on Mother's Day, I was talking to, she was, someone of my friends were asking my mom, was Sir John always like this, who he is now? And she was like, no, he was actually really quiet. And all he did was wanted to paint and draw. Like, that's, that's all I wanted to do was create. Um, and then to the point where to find different ways to create. So I was like obsessed with cooking because you can take something that's an egg and turn it into a cake or, you know, uh, and I had a garden because I loved the process of the before and after. Or like, and I didn't know how to, why those things were in parallel, but I was, uh, you know, my grandma's baby. <laughs> I'm the oldest of three and that um so basically my mom took me to a school called uh, performing arts in buffalo and i got in there and but i didn't know makeup i didn't know anything about beauty at all until i was you know in school for a very very brief time for art history in college and I, mind you i was only there for like two semesters because i couldn't afford but you know what happened is i remember a, a model was canceled i'm sorry a model was going to cancel a shoe who was a friend of mine and because the makeup artist came and the photographer asked me he's like oh i know that you're an artist could you paint her face so I'm like, uh, okay, <laughs> sure. And I was just playing around. Like I was literally like 18 years old. And so my first canvas just happened to be a couple of the girls who I just was rolling with at the time. And uh, I remember Mac Cosmetics called me to come in for an interview, but they couldn't hire me because I was 19. I, my 19th birthday, I, that's the only time I could get this job or whatever. So I started working on my 19th birthday. And I, I remember people asking me at the counter at the time, like, how long have you been doing makeup? And I remember saying at the time, like six months, like eight months, like not <laughs> like, you know, I was that junior in it. And that was 2001, 2000, you know, so uh, 
I know I sound like really mature, <laughs> but no, it was back in the day. So, the, but my, my mom, um, you know, she just really, really cultivated creativity. It doesn't matter. It didn't matter how or where, but if you have, if you want to express yourself in some way through an artistic lens, she, she just knew that she was like, this is bigger than me as a parent, or if this is seemingly like, you know, something our guys should do or not. Cause I got a lot of flack from you know, the neighborhood and my dad and his family, because I wasn't rough and tough and I didn't play. I was six, two, I was six, one in uh, sixth grade size 13 shoe when I was 11 as well. So I was like this, but long and lanky and everyone's like, oh, you got to play basketball. You got to, you going to be a ball player. And I'm like, nah, nah, I'm not. And touch the ball only don't ever try to tackle me. <laughs> so basically that was kind of where I started. And um, I moved to New York city when I was 19. Um, I didn't know anyone there, but Mac moved me to New York. Um, you guys okay? Yeah, Mac moved me to New York when I, uh, I guess I got the highest sales in the Southeast. And then that came, that's the journey of beauty. So beauty basically started for me when I was 18 or 19 and it's still with me. But one thing I know that beauty isn't just about like, you know, being a really great makeup artist. There's so many really great makeup artists. I look like you guys can look on social media right now. And I look at, I say all these things for shoots I want to do, <laughs> like, you know, cause so everyone's so talented. But, you know, there's a lot of great makeup artists, hairstylists, stylists, but um, I'm in the business of people. Like, I love people. I love women, you know, so uh, and I love to make them feel better or feel something. And so what that is, it's like, that's why I'm here. I'm really not here just because of the looks. It's really just about the vibes, you know. We're vibe people, so I, I rock with that. Um, I think based on what you said, like, I feel like one of, your mom sounded like she was one of your mentors. But have you had any mentors along the way that are that have really impacted, I guess, like how you do makeup and where you are today. Um, Sam Fine, Sam Fine is a brilliant makeup artist. And he, before, listen, I'm standing on his shoulders before there was, you know, me, uh, he was campaigning for black women back in the day. Like, you know, when, uh, when his first, I remember when his book came out, uh, Fine Beauty, I remember having that on set every day, looking at this book and how to emulate that. And then to meet him at his, one of his master classes, and we became cool, he became like a big brother. And he still is my big brother. And so I remember sleeping on his couch and on the floor while I'm assisting Pat McGrath, assisting Charlotte Silbury in Europe, you know, on making no money as an assistant. Because, you know, when you're an editorial assistant, I didn't, you don't make any money. You make like a $50 or $100 a day. Um, and for a nine hour, 12 hour day. But meeting, you're in, the, you're in the room with all the people. I was in the room with Stephen Mizell, in the room at, you know, 20, 21 years old with uh, Mario Testino. And, all these kind of, all these Annie Lee Wickowitz. So, um, I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I knew it was important for me to be there and for me to be an assistant and you can't lead and spin effectively to follow someone. So I just knew that like, this is my education. This is how I'm going to, you know, you know, start the process or whatever. So, um, yeah. And at the time, every, all of my friends who were makeup artists, you know, they, I don't want to, yeah. All of my friends who were makeup artists, they were doing music videos because they were, that's where the money was. So they were rolling with, you know, $1,200, $1,500 day race back when they were 19, 20, 21 years old. But I remember that I don't want, and Hype Williams is a friend of mine, you know, but I didn't want to marginalize myself in the work that I could do because this is, because everything's attached to your name. So I was sacrificing the work that was paying, that was paying for the work that I knew was good for the brand. I love that you were just so in tune with your values literally at 19, 20, like you already knew. What kept you motivated during those long days Hmm. and not making the money, but being surrounded by obviously people of influence and people that so many others look up to now? Uh, you know, a, that's a great question. Uh, what kept me motivated is just, just drive, you know, wanting to do it and just, I'm the oldest of three. And I just, I just knew I had to make it. I just knew I had to do it. And I put so much pressure to be, to be great or to get it done. And, you know, and also to continue to be a student of the game. I had zero ego with uh, carrying luggage, you know, going to get coffee. I was the best assistant. I literally was. And, um, but I knew I needed to make a, myself a, a destination as an assistant. I needed to be the best assistant so I can intuit the needs of whoever I was assisting before it happened. Um, but also to be honest with you, I'm just going to keep it real. I went through so much anxiety and depression too, you know, just wanting to get it, wanting to be, you know, wanting to make it to sustain, you know, a career in art. It's, it's not always easy. And it's like you're feeling your way around. It's like Wi-Fi. You can't see it, but you know it's there. So I was like kind of in the wilderness for a while, trying to, just trying to, trying to make sure that things align when there was no linear path. Like all of my friends at the time were starting to, you know, 
graduate college. They're starting to buy the first homes at 27, 28, 29, like some of them. And we're having kids, you know, which I really want to be a dad soon. Um, uh, we're looking at surrogates now. <laughs> but I just know that, um, you know, I, uh, so I wanted, I have to I always talk to younger creatives about, you're going to go through it. You're going to emotionally, you're going to be provoked to want to give up, to not, to not see, have faith in yourself. But also, you know, that the business of fashion is different now than it was then. Back then, you know, when you're going to Bryant Park, the tents, you know, or, or from this campaign or that shoot, there were no people of color. So I'm, the reason I'm so much of an advocate for the space now, the reason I, I talk about it and I was just, I'm so unapologetic, because I, I remember a time where, you know, I didn't see anybody who looked like me. Nobody. I was, you know, I was living in Harlem and I just, everyone was European. You know, everyone was French or British. And, you know, when you're working around people who are, they all have a sense of nationalism, you know, from because they're holding English passports, whatever that looks like. You're just, you feel like other, you feel very other. And so um, that took a, oh, a major toll on my, like not self-esteem, but my psychology. I had to really double in like, no, be proud to be black, you know, like be, own it, be in it, you know, just because they don't see the beauty at the time. It wasn't so hot for, to be inclusive um, if you weren't from some kind of cool place that had a story, but I just owned it. You know, and I, I saw, I remember my mother asking me, she's like, this is chipping away at my child. Like, I don't want you, <laughs> I don't want you in, into this space anymore because, you know, um, but even when I looked at the luxury market or the luxury se sector in general, it is based off of colonialism. It is based off of uh, other or, you know, some marginal view of, you know, this is them and this is us or the few can have. So, uh, you know, I, I love what I do and I love the beauty in the fashion industry. But um, I had to have I had to get a grip and realize that fashion is actually inherently biased and racist. And you said you you had to struggle through this with you had everybody having anxiety and, and mental health issues. I think right now we are at like the precipice. Like I feel like gone, having gone through um, COVID and still going through COVID and and people really discovering that they had mental health issues that maybe they didn't even know they had. And I think we're talking about it a lot more. But looking back, what are some of the things that you use, some tools that you use that maybe you could pass on to younger artists that can help them get through at this time? Well, you know what? This is also the, the, the beauty of where we are now. Because this is, you know, the bonus is that we're the first generation. Think about this, y'all. We were the first generation to, set, to go back to our parents and say, hey, I'm a creative. And they not look at you like, oh, my child doesn't have a job, like, you know, or, or like you or just shame in some way. Yep. <laughs> oh my um, God. And as a creative, you know, there's cachet around it now because of what we did, because of what, who all of us are. And also not just that, but we're the first generation to normalize mental health. Like we're the first generation of people to actually say, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> let me talk to my parents or let me unpack some of this trauma that I see my, my granddads or my uncles never talk to their kids. What? Why does every story always start with, oh, my man, my father was a man of few words, or my uncles didn't really talk to us. It was my, my grandmother and my aunt doing the disciplinary thing, or they the ones who emotionally spent more time because these men went through so much trauma on the job. They, they, they were so marginalized. So when they came home, it wasn't taking nothing from their wife and kids. <laughs> so, but to say, I say that to say, what does that look like for, for me to get through? I think I got through by a having a strong mother. I call my mom so much. This just this a little pick me up, even small little pick me ups, you know, were like just got me through it. Just got me through the next day. Also, I had a I had a really good. Uh, I'm 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 a listen. When you're good to life, life is good to you. I love people, so I always you know surround myself with people who are never jealous or never knocking what I wanted to do. Who they might not have seen what I, the vision because I didn't know it, <laughs> but I, uh, I had a really cool supportive network. And, um, and, uh, and also I, I read the book, The Alchemist, right? So The Alchemist changed my life back in the day. The Alchemist, uh, the, the, uh, the art of, sorry, The Art of Seduction by Robert Greene and also The 48 Laws of Power by Robert Greene. Those three books, game changer. But what The Alchemist taught me is the fact that whenever you wanna do something, the world conspires to help you. Like, you know, so sometimes you gotta psych yourself out. So I was, I, I was in this imaginary land of what I wanted until it actually came. So I didn't even know that this was called law of attraction until later. I didn't know that this was a deliberate, you know, uh, way of working with, you know, the universe. But I just kind of like psyched myself up every day and just, you know, and make believe. I had a make believe 
attitude of like, life is great. It's going to be good. I'm going to have an amazing day. And then if you just start it like that, it just will come back at you. Somebody will love your personality and book you more. Somebody will like you and say, hey, listen, I want you to come, you know, here with me or, or pay your rates or your fly your business or whatever you need. Switching gears, when it comes to makeup, what is the Sir John signature? What are you best known for? Uh, what am I best known for? I would say I'm best known for like eyes, like spotlight eyes. Like, like I love glamorous. I love glamour. But glamour doesn't necessarily have to be a, a lot of things. Glamour is honestly, it's a mood. It's a vibe. It's, a, it's, a, it's just the way, you know, you can be in a hood in Chicago, a hood in Buffalo, or like, you know, Alabama, and still have, and still carry yourself with a certain amount of glamour, you know, or, or like prestige. Because it's not so much something that you can see or is quantified by how much you spend, but how you feel about yourself. So. Um, I would say that, you know, my, the, the look that's me would be, happens to be editorial skin. I believe that's what I bought to Beyonce is, you know, editorial skin with these statement eyes, with this impactful lips. So I love something that gives impact, which would otherwise like mundane makeup routine. So like, yeah. And people don't even realize that highlighter, you know, just appropriate place highlighter can be a statement. A brow can be a statement. It doesn't necessarily always have to be like, look at me or ostentatious, but, um, so I would say eyes and skin, color. So that dovetails nicely into this. I think most Black women and women of color, ourselves all included, have had experiences where we've been on set, the makeup artist is there, and then you look casket ready, okay? There's nothing worse than that. And so I guess what we're kind of wondering is, is there a way for makeup artists to be trained to not do that? Because I think it happens so much more frequently than we expect. And, and when you're a client, I guess, who's in that situation with a, a makeup artist or, you know, a hairdresser who can't, you know, give you what you need, how can we give them direction to help make that better as Black yeah. over here? That's a beautiful, beautiful question. Uh, so two things that come to mind. So the first is I started working with Black Beauty Roster. So Black Beauty Roster is an organization that said, hey, listen, you know, I see there's a discrepancy or there's uh you know, a number of us who are not in the union. And why are we not in the union? Do we even know how to get there? Do we know what steps to take? You know, so Black Beauty Roster makes sure that there are, there's training. Um, I was like, guys, I'll invest my time for free. So I'm on the board there. And what I did is I started, started creating some master classes and demi classes on things that you look for. So I got my first one was a complexion class, just editorial complexion. You know, if you can give a woman really great complexion, she'll, she'll, you can lead her anywhere. You know, and the thing is, a lot of people feel like, oh, you know, I want to go in, I want to impress this client. So I'm going to go and do a look or I'm going to do a smoky eye first. No, just give her the best gift. Give her skin that she is asked, that's aspirational for her. And then she'll emotionally put her hand back down and let you try more of a look. Let you give her a line or that, you know, but you have to earn that, that space, that bandwidth with clients. But what can you say as someone who, besides the Black Beauty roster and the things that are in play now that weren't in place five years ago or even two years ago, one thing also is, know know what's worked for you in the past so the, i hate to say this but the gift and the curse uh of having bad glam is the fact that you've also is all of my girlfriends even mom the model like you know jones Smalls, like naomi everyone all, a lot of people still have to they know they have to carry certain shortcuts in their bag even if they know they're going to an amazing set you know you could be going to shoot a bowl cover but leave it out your concealer <laughs> you know what i mean like so have the things in your bag that are personal to you that make you feel more comfortable when you're getting your makeup done. That's always going to be key. I hate to say it. Um, and and, and it, the way we educate people who are makeup artists and hairstylists is you educate them by just showing them what you love. Don't say so much of what you don't like. It's, I hate this or I don't like this. Okay, because that, that marginalizes people and they'll feel, they'll, they'll get scared. And out of that fear, they're not able to really give you a flower around you, you know, and when it comes to your hair or when it comes to your face. But can keep telling people what you love. I love this. I love a liner that looks like this. I love when my brows do this. I love when I don't have a lot of foundation on, but I have coverage here or coverage on a birthmark or a pregnancy mark. So continue to condition the glam because they're sensitive. We're all carrying so a very precious uh, thing with us. And you guys are the vehicle for our artistry. You, you're the reason that we exist, you know? So in all of your energy, we absorb in our hands and, and it's, and sometimes it can either cripple you um, or it can make you flower if you're experienced. But, uh, it's just really important how, how you talk to uh, creators and the dialogue that you guys are having. If you are going to an important day, don't be afraid to find out who's the glam or who's the makeup artist or hairstylist 
and get in contact with them before. Do a FaceTime. You know, it can be a, a two-minute FaceTime, three-minute FaceTime. Just say, say hey, I, I'm, I'm going to see you on Tuesday. I can't wait. Just something like that. So they, their nerves are down. Just calming their nerves. I love your presence, Sergeant. I feel like well, I'm thanks, so for all of us, but like you're bringing us all back to calmness after such a chaotic day. So thanks, love you for that, among many other Thank things. You. I'll rock with you guys. Are you from New York? Where are you guys right now? No, I, I actually was born in Connecticut. So okay. U.S. and then two Canadians here yes okay cool i was in buffalo niagara falls okay so yeah okay where are you right now actually um i'm in la i'm in la Um, my studio here in los angeles and uh uh, i've been in la five years i love it i was in harlem for 20 years i love the city but it doesn't exist the same way any longer but this is really good for my emotional state so i'm looking at the hills right now so that's probably the piece that you see or you're feeling off the we're feeling it we are feeling the energy there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss quality sleep is essential that's why the sleep number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature sleep number smart beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together jd power ranks sleep number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store and now save 50 percent on the sleep number limited edition smart bed for a limited time for jd power 2023 award information visit jdpower.com awards only at a sleep number store or sleepnumber.com um our audience loves tangible takeaways and asking questions so we feel like we want to hear from you a do and a don't for different complexion so for example your winter white what should you absolutely do and what should you absolutely not do with your makeup for winter white right so for winter white you have to think about something winter white for me is just as void of color it's the absence of color. You know, they, some people say that black is the absence of color, but actually black is all the color in the spectrum. Um, I would say that it's really one, of, it's an easy starting point. When you look at Winsor White, you can do anything you want to. It's one, I wouldn't, one, one thing I believe in is I don't want to, I never believe in trends when it comes to beauty or fashion. Um, I don't necessarily believe in, I don't want to marginalize anyone's creativity. Or if someone has a lipstick that they love, but it's going out of style, or it's like just not as popular, maybe, but it makes you feel sexy. It makes you feel good. Rock it, own it, <laughs> move in that direction. You know, so I would say winter white is a great pedestal for maybe a, a red lip. It can be a great navy, you know, denim shadow, something like that. Or you can do nothing. It's just super glowy, like, you know, J-Lo-esque, you know, skin with winter white. So winter white for me would also be all about complexion. So I'm, when you're wearing a color that like that, if you happen to be really light, or like fair, or like, you know, if you happen to not have any melanin, you need to tan or not tan. Uh, don't sit under any bulbs or sit under any sun. I'm not advocating for sun uh, damage, but you do need to bronze your complexion up. So the warmer your complexion, the easier that winter white will look. It'll look more like money, I'm telling you. <laughs> Go to bronzer brand. Go to bronzer brand. I'm going to definitely say NARS. NARS Laguna is great if you're, if you're lighter. And I would say a deeper would be Casino, but Fenty's cream bronzers and powder bronzers are like, like chef's kiss. Love it. So we are uh, super, super excited because we are actually like first round investors in Citizen Cosmetics. Oh, <laughs> um, okay. And so there's levels to our fandom with you. <laughs> so knowing that you're the just announced the chief creative officer of Citizen, many things, many excitements. We're so excited. It's one for you to have this role. And two, for what you're going to bring to this brand. Is there anything you can share about what's coming or what you're excited about for Citizen? And why you were attracted to this brand? And also, shout out to Beyonce at the Oscars wearing Citizen 
on yeah. Oh my God. I was like, this, if I've died and gone to heaven. <laughs> <laughs> well, stay tuned. Is, you know, more to show on that front um, in terms of where the citizen lips are going to pop up soon. But I do want to tell you that, uh, no, I'm really, I'm, I'm really honored to be a part. Uh, I, I, for me, it was about the mission before it was about the product. I've been, I've been blessed. You know, I'm the uh, U.S. creative director, L'Oreal Paris still. Um, you know, I've had some cool things happen. But one thing I love about this brand is it's, it's small enough to make a difference. Sometimes when you're a, a massive brand, you don't necessarily you have to satisfy your investors and the board and this. And that. Some people might not think equity or diversity even means anything. Some people might think it's an umbrella to a storm. But, you know, when you're in a space where you're nimble enough to really hear or, you know, the, the echoes of uh, the community and what they need in real time, that's kind of like, that's where the safe, that's a beautiful place to be in. And the girls care. They, you know, that's what I love. I love that this is not something that's performative or transactional. This is emotional. Emotional beauty for me is like finding something that solves the problem, finding something not just solves the problem, but I, I want to keep going back to it. You know, transactional beauty is like, oh. I need a foundation that's just not going to transform my mask. But no, this is something that people have been echoing and asking for for a long time. So to build on this is not a hard thing to do. It's very easy to build on uh, the Citizen name. Uh, also, I love the name. I love Citizen Cosmetics. But one thing I'm here to do also is I'm here to make sure that we walk that walk. Like this is not, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not in this to, uh, you know, just for a paycheck or just, you know, for the way it looks. No, guys, like everything's on the line for me. Everything's on the line. Every time I talk to someone, like I just cannot be completely authentic. And we as a brand need to like push that authenticity as well. Um, and every decision and every casting, even a focus group, even making sure that, you know, as we try on colors on different complexions, we are really, uh, we really see different complexions, you know? So that's kind of the core of who I am. And hopefully I'm bringing that to the brand. And just also make sure that the product offering what's coming next is something that can either be super innovative or making uh, a product that's better that already exists. Honestly, I like I'm like tickled with joy and excitement because we've been actually wearing Citizen for years now at this point, which is why, you know, we're part of the first round and we're introduced to it to to Rum and who you're I think you're gonna meet later this month actually, who's okay. the brand manager. Okay. So I love that you said that because you're right, like this is providing something that's so different. And even with the new universal, like Again, I've said this, my favorite word in the world is casket ready. But remember in like the, the early OOs when it was cool to wear concealer on your lips and all like oh literally all the white girls are like blotting their lips out with concealer. And I'm like, guys, I'm not trying to look dead. It's so crazy you said that, right? Because, okay, so when I first, because we have the same, I'm thinking about, whenever I think of nudes, right, in general, I'm thinking about the early 2000s, late 90s when everyone was just blanking out their lips. Like we didn't want lips, basically. We want a nude like no color and just eyes, smoky eyes, more mascara, you know, this, that, blah, 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 blah. And one thing I realized that, okay, as I'm talking about these colors, I'm also realizing that we're a demographic that have grown up together, right? And so all of the people who, like, you know, when I look at Alina, Sia, the, you know, the sisters, like a new lip to them means something different to someone who's more mature. So since I'll be 40 in July, and, and that maturity tells me that, hey, I want to have a lip enhancing neutral. I want to, I want a color that's going to enhance my lip shape. And that's the new new for me. A new a new now is about like how can I not minimize my shape or texture, but how can I maximize by enhancing the shape, uh, but still being like played down. So that's what I see. I see an array of colors that aren't just about blanking out someone's actual lip shape. Because guess what? Everyone's spending money to get lips. Everyone's <laughs> every, lips. The lips lips service category is massive right now in a way it's never been. So I think we want to see our lips. We just want to enhance them. I love that. So you've already given some really great gems of advice for uh, like basically everybody, but I know that everybody's up and coming in makeup right now. You live in LA, obviously there's a million makeup artists, Toronto, we've got a lot, but what is some advice? <laughs> Pardon? I said T-O, T-O, sorry. No, Every right. time you say Toronto. I'm <laughs> um, so I guess what's some advice that you would give to somebody who's really trying to, I don't even want to say break into the makeup industry, but who's trying to be like you. And I mean like a, a change maker, a, um, a creator, all of this stuff, because there's makeup artists and that's great. And there's people who are going to do that for their life at a certain level. But then there's people I think who want to innovate and kind of turn the dial a little bit more. So what, what kind of advice would you give those wow. people? My big, the biggest thing I have for any beauty creator, and, and as I've had a chance since 2020 to look at the creators and different there's some beauty enthusiasts, there are makeup artists, there are people who are, you know, YouTube who haven't necessarily done makeup on other people, but 
but someone still wants to walk, they walk. Walk the walk that they walk, sorry. But what I realized is that you have to stand for something. Have, you know, be convicted. So beauty is something, it's a vehicle, you know, and it's a car to get there, but you have to, what, what kind of gas are you gonna put in that car? Because these people are following you, not just for something that it can be seen every day. And that's the, that's the business that we came out of. So you came out of a business or we're coming out of a place where everything was just so visual, so superficial. Listen, I grew up in the, the era and I'm very proud of it, the supermodels, you know? It was all about Linda, Christy, Naomi, you know, Tyra. But now beauty has to be deeper. It has to have more meaning. So if, my biggest thing is you'll be wildly successful if you have something to say and you have something to stand for. If you take away all of these things, I can gain, I can bring all my audience back by just talking about something I know and I, I feel, not necessarily something that was given to me or positioned to me, you know? So I always talk to everyone, thread in, thread in, and this happens with an experience, you know, as you, you grow, you learn more. Um, but how much are you a student of the game and are you listening to your consumers and, and what they need? So you're, you'll have an, you can have an audience of five people or five million people. It doesn't, it doesn't matter in terms of the number. But the biggest thing is, listen, you'll be here for a very long time if you have something to say. And the thing is, like a lot of people just, they don't have much to say. That's why there's so many, we have, a, we have microwave generations now of like, you know, of artists, of, of talent, of influencer culture, because no, guys, get in front of the message, stand on it and don't, and, and don't waver in it. It should grow like any great speaker, any great person who you rock with, an author, to, uh, you, know, uh, you know, Tony Morrison, James Baldwin, any, any person who we love, we all love them because that what they had to say actually it, it doesn't it doesn't matter what time it is we can go back and read some of the things that were the thoughts they had 30 years ago and they're just as relevant today so for me i was kind of terrified i'll be honest with you i can't i'm gonna keep it real when i was you know first got my loyal contract i remember eric garner in new york got choked by the police or whatever and i called a friend of mine her name is kalana barfield i'll never forget her giving me advice like hey i want to say something i want to do something i want to can I say like, you know, how provoked I am to, I'm not, not to anger, but like, there's so many people who feel down or don't feel pulled, pulled up. And we have a, we can do that. We're in, the, in our business. You know, we make people feel beautiful every day. Why can't we make people feel something on the social level, social justice level? And this is before Instagram. And so she's like, so John, to be honest with you, bro, she, uh, now I just got the contract with L'Oreal. I just started doing things. She's like, I was like, I'm going to lose it all if I talk. She, and at the time I would have, do you guys remember the Dixie Chicks? At the time, you know, it was revolutionary and, and it was polar, polarizing the country, like, you know, kind of cast them out. If they were doing that same thing now, you know, we would, we would wrap, wrap our arms around them and give them so much support for being vocal, for feeling something, you know. But I do want to say that now, I'm tw after 2020, I was unapologetic. I did not care. I didn't care what I was going to lose. I was like, you can't take nothing away from me at this point. So that's when you have to speak up. If you have any privilege, when I say privilege, privilege in I'm, a, I'm able to be in a meeting uh, with, with people who are not able to get in the door. Or I'm able to have conversations where people may listen a little longer because of what they think, you know, about my career. And that's when you give them, that's when you come in with the, with the, <laughs> with the message, with the message. No, bottom line, so strongly with what we believe in as well. And we're always the first, even when it is the most uncomfortable situation, we're like, we it's our duty to speak up. We're presented in this room and we have a seat at this table, no matter how difficult it may be. And also, but spe and speaking up is it never, it's never, you know, listen, my grandmother used to say, if you uh, tell the truth, you don't have to something, whatever. But as long as you're telling the truth and as long as it's coming from a really honest place and you're, it's not selfish. If you're talking to, you're talking, what you're saying, you're, you're talking for other people. You ladies are campaigning and bringing ideas. Every question you've had has been about, what the audience needs, you know? And when you're in that space, you can't go wrong. Amen. I think this is a great segue too, to our social media change. I like that you said you don't typically jump on trends in fashion and beauty, because I think it's just so in and out. Um, what would you say has changed most about the makeup industry with the introduction now of TikTok, Instagram, and then, of course, YouTube still exists with our fave beauty bloggers. Hmm, that's a good question. Who is a loaded question too? It's something we talk about daily. Uh, what has changed the most is what's changed the most is the fact that there's. Uh, I love how social media has made the democracy of social media has propelled us forward. The people have the power. The people have the power to you know, and and they're our boss. You know, if if you really think about it, and we're not coming from a selfish place. You know, even when I talk to brands or individual influencers. And, and they have the power and they should, you know, to make sure that if they don't feel represented by a brand, 
call them out. If they feel like, you know, hey, this brand doesn't want us as consumers, highlight that, showcase that, use your voice for that. So what's the beauty is, is uh, the democracy and, and what I love, the people. And we didn't have that before social media. And so that's what's, if we were waiting on fashion and beauty to be more inclusive, we would still be waiting right now. But I think also what's happened is everyone has, a, has an opinion or an idea. So we have all these ideas and all these opinions floating around. Um, so it can be noisy. It can seem, the, the highway can seem crowded, if you will. But I think that in some way, we just need to make sure that whoever has the largest megaphone, uh, we're holding them accountable for, for what they're putting out. And also, it's the same argument with celebrities. We're ha- we were having with celebrities back 10, 15 years ago, like, you know, Rihanna saying, oh, I don't want to be a role model or this person, this basketball player said, I don't want to be a role model. I just happen to be so famous. I just happen to do this thing. No, but you, you do have a, a role to play, you know? And so I think right now we all have roles to play, which is so super cool to take a look at. I love TikTok, but the only drawback, and I, I want to know if I'm the only person who sees this and notices this, but I think that we're being programmed to have shorter attention spans, which is kind of alarming uh, in a sense. You know, when we look at... You are not the only one. I used to read a book a week. I, could, I, have, I don't... It takes me a month to read a book now. Because why? Because I just don't have the attention span anymore. Even like even from the stress of, of work to the like stress of home life, that it's almost like you want everything to be fast and quick. And so I have to retrain my patients. I'm very aware of it. Like I, 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 if it's not digestible, if the book, even it used to be fun for me if the book was a little bit difficult because I had the patience to like want to find out the answers and find out the ending. But now if I read a book and in the first 10 pages, it's not like grabbing me. I'm like, hmm, you know, and, and also because social media is readily available, people are constantly sending you stuff and, and like your phone's always going off. So you're like, oh, let me just, you're, you're, let me go look over here. Let me go. It's like, everybody's like squirrel. Like we're all like, you know, our brains are just, just jam packed with information. So it's harder to pull yourself away and say, okay, my phone's going to be on airplane mode. I need an hour to just decompress Mm. and read. It's like, if you're unavailable to people, then, then you're not working and you're not productive. It's definitely something I'm working on, but I'm very aware about lack of attention span. That's so crazy. And, and do you, are you guys moms? I am. Yeah. It's, it's kind of crazy also to think about what we're doing to a younger generation or like children, you know, yeah. um, because when you think about it, okay, that's one thing. We're okay. Yeah. So we went from 30 seconds, you know, 45 second frame or minute frame. So this is not now a reel or a TikTok. And I get it. But also we, in that same token, we don't care about anything that we see, whether, you know, whether it's homelessness, we don't, anything that's tra- traumatic, we immediately, doo, 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 we go in different directions. So I think the heart of society can also leave us when we are so impatient uh, and we only care about what's pleasing to us, you know, to a certain extent. I think the other thing we're missing too, and this is like a tangent, but like, we're not actually teaching anybody who is younger than us um, how to ask critical questions. Like, the number of things, and, and we're all guilty of it. Like, we'll read something on Twitter and we're like, oh, well, this is what the article said. But no, that's what the title said. And nobody read anything else past that. And that's what's hard because I feel like it plays out in how we interact with each other in the world. We're not asking thoughtful questions a lot of the time. And I think we're all guilty of it, even like older millennials like us as well. So it's kind of wild to see it play out in the workplace or in your relationships or in everything because people read something, they take it as gospel, and then we're on to the next thing. And we're like, wait, wait a minute. Did anyone ask a question? Because I don't think right, that they did. Right. Or a fact finder. <laughs> <laughs> did we fact check? I'm going to go with no. That's real talk. That's real talk. That's real talk. What what is um this is back to makeup. What is and I don't know, maybe I'm framing it in a negative way, but what is like a mistake that you're seeing people the do with makeup that you see often that you're just like, oh, if every woman knew woman knew how to do this, like is there anything that you're constantly seeing like like maybe I don't know. Yep. Um so one thing I've, I've seen in the last, since 2016, 2016, I moved here. Yeah, so around that time, 2016, 2017, we were going, we were heading over a cliff. We were literally about to, with, with cookie cutter versions of contouring, sculpting, double cut crease at the time, you know, everything with the super matte, you know, lip where it was like, you know, the liquid in, in a, it was, it was a look and everything was that and everything was super maxed out coverage. Speaking of that, before I move away from that, I don't think that straight women 
realize that we're taking cues from the drag community. So we can't other them. We can't other so much because some some of the cues that we're seeing in Glam come straight up from straight up from the kids. <laughs> Shout out to the girls. But I will say that um I think that everyone is dialing it back. The pandemic was a blessing in so many ways for us. You know, as, as I look back, as I look at how we were, we, there was an automatic stop, stop, hold on, hold on a second. <laughs> Everybody's in pajamas. Nobody wear makeup. Everybody is in a top knot. Like, you know, everybody spend more time with your family or your dog, stay your ass in the house. <laughs> and I, I, you know what, everyone was talking about this a while ago. It would be nice to have that every five years or so. I swear, just for like a, a month. But what was beautiful about that space from a beauty standpoint, from our industry, is that everyone was on Zooms and working virtually. So not only were, we were all concerned about germs and this and what we were ingesting. So when you're that, when you have a holistic approach to your diet and what you put in your body and how much you're taking care of your, uh, your immune system, your skin naturally is gonna pay off. It's naturally gonna show up in your complexion. So everyone was wearing less foundation. Everyone was wearing less coverage. Um, maybe still doing an eye or a lip or the other things, but no one was, I didn't, we didn't see that. So post pandemic, as we were trying to inch toward, I'm still seeing everyone keeping that sensibility. So for me, what I love about it is the fact that everyone is just owning their skin more, the skinification, this is this spa-like, uh, you know, um, uh, knowing or wanting to not have to lack or change who I am. So I don't see as much of that as I did pre-pandemic. Pre I hope that answers your question. I'm not sure if that answers. I'm like RIP to the, that lacquered face, but like, and anytime I, I've had, I had done it, I'd be like, my lips, like they're so dry that I'm like, how, does, how do we sustain this? Like, I feel like they start to crack. Right, eye cream. So <laughs> a, hack, a hack is eye cream. If you ever have a super matte, matte lip and you don't want to change the texture of the matte, just moisturize with eye cream. The skin on your eyes and the skin on your lips is so thin, it's transparent. It's like literally the same kind of thing. So always use eye cream as a moisturizing factor. For, wow. It doesn't change the texture. Baby changer. <laughs> yeah. Now we need to bring back like our KKW contour sticks and go off with a look. <laughs> um, we always love following new like creatives, makeup artists, people on our feeds who are adding value who are three people that you're loving right now to follow on social uh i love to follow on social i would say i love following uh oh damn um i follow b scott for the news shout out to b scott i would also say i follow young a lot of young makeup artists i follow i just don't know like their net their names are all you know kind of different but um i follow cooking things i love to cook Okay, wait, no what cooking? What cooking ones? We love to cook too. We are cookers over here. Okay, instant food, instant food underscore lover, because it's so quick and they're all reels. So this shows you like, and it shows you quickly how to make some of these things and like in instant. If you have a good base cooking, you know how to do it. This is a really quick thing to do. Like, I mean, like, look at these. I just watch food stuff all day. Oh my God. She's full. And then also, uh, I'll give you another something for fashion. Actually, you know what? I have a better one for you. I want all of you guys to take a look at this one account. And so they're a contractor slash uh, in Canada. But what they do is the way they make over homes, like whatever you, whenever you're about to buy a new place, they have to do, do the build out. So they call it 2B Design Build. 2B is in boy, Design Build. And they, they're amazing, guys. I'm just obsessed with them. And and just, yeah, I like to pull inspiration from areas that have nothing to do with beauty. So a lot. Yeah. You know, it's so funny that you're saying that. So Coco is also creative. And I find that people who are the most creative people, you guys almost don't follow what you're like creative in because exactly what you said, you're pulling from everywhere else that gives you inspiration. And like, it's, it's actually so interesting to see because when you guys um, quiet the noise, that's like where I find you guys have the ability to kind of like get even more creative and like into that like cut, you know, but you need to have those other sources of sprinkles of things that bring you joy. That's so true. I have this great. I got one more, one more guys. Uh, this guy's an artist. I love, you know, painters and artists guys. And he's someone to take a look at. He started out as a tattoo artist. So I have a question for you. What would you like for me to show continue to show the next generation of, of beauty professionals? I have one. <laughs> so I think what is so exceptional about you is the fact that you are creative, top of your game, doing all these things, but you are outspoken about social justice. And I think what's super important to continue to share with people in your industry is that you can do both. 
and that you're you you can't you don't have to be super silent and quiet and I'm so happy to be here that you can actually speak out on things and that you can be a leader and not have to always just kind of I think what happens within within a lot a lot with the within the black community that we we are constantly being grateful for being around because we have to stay small so that they don't notice us. But I think the more that people like you are in the space and living big and loud and and not making yourself small, that younger the younger generation can get to that quicker so that we right out of the, out of the gate, they can be leaders and, and make more space for people who look right. like that in, in that. I think one more thing is that you're very focused on skin and I love that. I think what's really important is that women can and men can have their beauty accentuated and go back to the, to being using what you have rather than changing yourself so much so that people are getting surgeries to look like people look like their filter. And I think there's so much original beauty with people that we don't, if we take that away, if we all have nose jobs and, and contoured jaws, and then there's no real difference to us. And I think it's nice where we see people who have different profiles. So I like the idea that, um, that you're really big on bringing out the natural beauty of people. A little Botox never hurt, though. Oh, trust me. We, we're right there. We're we right love there. a little Botox. A little Botox, a little filler. <laughs> um, I want you to talk about, to like speak more about business stuff. I think you've been in the game for a really long time. And I think a lot of people who are makeup artists or who are in the creative space oftentimes don't see themselves as a business or an entrepreneur or as any of that stuff. So it's something that's heavily missed. And again, especially in our community, in the Black community, there are not a lot of, I'm sorry, let me reframe that. There are lots of people who are in business for themselves, but because of the way that our society is structured and because of colonialism, because of the way that um, for the, all the people who are in the upper echelons and elite are mostly white people, um, we're not seeing also that reflected back to us. So I, I think talking about business is important, talking about the mistakes um, and like the failures, because part of business is failing faster. And then talking about the things that have served you um, throughout your journey would be really great, I think, for a lot of people. And that's, that's the stuff I'd love to hear about. Do you think TikTok could be that space? Oh. I was just about to say, combining everything that they just said, because they summed it up beautifully, you need this in a series with like clickable and snackable content. People love okay. using that. Um, of like what I tell my previous self and then you do like business, makeup, artistry and you like categorize it into different sections and you're like, yeah, you can have it all or you can touch on everything. You don't need to limit yourself to one avenue, one industry. If you like other things, you're allowed to also like other things, right? People feel so constrained to like, if I am a makeup artist, I can only talk about makeup. Yep, yep, that's so true, yeah. Uh, okay, so from your lips to guys to TikTok's ears, I'm, this is, I'm, we're going to take this. I need this video. We're going to take this. I'm going to take this back to my team and do this. Well, we'll remind you, we're TikTok okay. fans over here, so oh, yeah. you okay. don't worry about that. We're really big on, um, we've lived our lives where we've moved so fast through them and through our successes that we don't take the time to um, enjoy when we've achieved something because we're on to the next. We, we made when you're so goal oriented you're like moving through fast you don't even realize that you've achieved a goal so we'd wow. like to do now and we say this in every podcast um this one woman who is like super high up ceo she she told me that one time she was somewhere really special and but she was moving through life so fast that um that she caught herself she was in florence in this beautiful garden she caught herself and she said to her husband i need you to pinch me I need to feel it. I need you to catch me in this moment because I never thought I would be somewhere as beautiful as this. And he did. And so now a practice that we have whenever we're doing something pretty incredible um, or once we've achieved a goal or we've just wrapped an event, we physically pinch each other to wake us up in the moment. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm wondering what was, your, what was your last pinch me moment? Wow. And you know what's so funny is that you're telling me this on a day that I need to remember this too. Wow. Because it's like, you know, I got a birthday coming up, a big one, and I'm just thinking about all the stuff that I haven't done and I need to do. And like, you know, this brand that I'm, I'm releasing, a, I'm creating a brand for myself, is a wellness brand. And so I'm just like, oh, this, that, that, that. So I'm not necessarily always, I'm never present. I hate to say it, I'm never present. So 
what was my last pitch me moment? My last pitch me moment was I made my mom happy on Mother's Day <laughs> on Sunday. And I would say before that, my last pitch me moment was citizen is dope. But I would say something more on the lines of, wow, this is just a good reflection. I mean, yeah, just to be blessed, you know, enough to have a, a couple of things to remember. I got invited to a listening party. Yep. 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 <laughs> yep. <laughs> Boom. That's it. <laughs> we yeah. know what kind of also, 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 okay. And then also, you know, I have this really gorgeous office. Like I have this beautiful space, 2,800 square foot space. And I'm immediately not even appreciating being here. I'm like, but I need to furnish it. I need this. I need to do it. You know, change the sink here and not appreciating the keys to this door, you know? And so that kind of is something I sh I'm thankful for you guys to even be a mirror right now for that. Thank you. Thank you for sharing those with us. We need more black joy. So it's like we need, I think we always kind of, especially as minorities are uh, constantly like, but we need more and we need to do it faster. And we need to like almost like all of that historical trauma, we need to fix it all in a generation. But if, yeah. if we were to work it though, right? <laughs> we just celebrated a little bit more. Then, then we're reminded of the great that we're doing and, and out of that more will happen. So thank you for sharing that. I got a question. When's your birthdays, guys? Like I'm getting like, I'm getting a little Virgo energy. I'm getting a little bit of Taurus or Aries energy. I'm not sure. Like what's happening here? We got two Leos and Leo, I'm a yes, Leo. Um, yes, sir. When's your birthday? June 30. I'm July 1st. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And what about you? What about you guys? I'm August 16th. August 16th? Yeah. August 5th. August 5th. Okay. Oh, August 5th is Iman too. Iman, the mother, the original Iman. Um, guys, this is awesome. You guys are amazing. And when you finally do a Citizen Roadshow and you come to Toronto, we're going to capture you and just take okay. your... <laughs> and we're going to dinner. We're going to, we're going to, yeah, we, we're, dinner, we're all, going. all of that. Coz, you know what to do. Rate this podcast five stars on Apple and don't forget to follow us on Spotify. You can continue keeping up with our adventure on the gram at Coco and Co. That's C-O-W-E. Now go tell your friends about it. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.